shot first, come on, grab your friends. We're gonna talk about Star Wars and stuff with Connor Oled and Andrew Roman. The fun will never end. Greeter shot first. Let me ask you a question, Andrew. Go for it. Do you like candles? I do like candles. Yeah, have you ever bought a candle in your life? I mean, maybe once or twice ever. When like you were when still... I, when I was living on my own or yeah. before I was married. Now I leave that to, to Emily for sure. Oh, yeah. Eva loves candles, and I love Star Wars. And <laughs> she brought this up recently. Uh, there is a thing out there where you can actually get the sense of Star Wars. Oh, boy. Oh, boy is right. Before <laughs> I get into this, Uta Puta, everybody. Hello and welcome to Greedo Shot First. My name is Connor. I am Andrew. And we're here to talk Star Wars, all things Star Wars, and anything even closely related to Star Wars, namely, <laughs> candles. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Like, I know you can't really see the picture I'm showing you right now, but... Uh, we'll, make to give, sure to, we'll make sure to like link it uh, like on the Facebook page or whatever. Oh, for sure. So here's the sense, and it goes for the original trilogy. So for A New Hope, you have Bantha Milk, yep. you have Wookiee, Trash Compactor, X-Wing Cockpit, <laughs> and the Cantina. Out of the five of those, which one do you think is going to smell the best, or the worst, rather? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I feel like the Cantina might have some kind of good smell. I'm not yeah. totally sure. Well, but I don't know if you kind of... Like on like a a more recent walk or like watch of that like do you realize they're kind of at like a hookah bar? Oh yeah, totally. So, yeah, I mean it could have that kind that, of waft yeah, in it. Yeah, that kind of aromatic smell. But the trash compactor, yeah, or no, you know, definitely the, not. <laughs> the Wookiee's probably got to have a good musk to him. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then going for Empire, uh, we have my favorite one. This is the most critical one: the inside of a tauntaun. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, the Millennium Falcon, uh, Yoda's cooking pot, Han Solo Carbonite, and lightsaber duel. <laughs> so, I mean, the lightsaber duel one actually looks pretty sweet. Uh, I don't know what it could. It looks like it's two different scents yeah, mixed get together. A, get a little of the blue and a little of the red. But you always hear the Tauntaun smell, you know, bad on the outside. And you thought they smelled bad on, on the, the outside. outside. <laughs> so, you know, it never would, it never would wonder what they're going to smell like on the inside. And then to top it all off, probably the smelliest of the bunch for Return of the Jedi. You got Rancor, you got Sarlacc Pit, you got Jabba's Palace, you got Ewok, and you got the Death Star Destroyed. <laughs> now, like, you know, you talk about the difference between the cantina smelling like a hookah bar, and then you go to Jabba's Palace. It's just got to smell like, ugh, slimy. Yes, just like, literally like rotting whatever. <laughs> just, just slime and grossness Ugh, all kinds of weird but <laughs> all right so yeah i i think uh if you guys get a chance uh you know if you like star wars and you know your significant other just happens to like candles this is a it's a good compromise yeah you know sounds sounds like a holiday gift in the making if you oh ask yeah me. eva if you're listening uh pre-order now so <laughs> <laughs> but uh to get off the topic of candles this is our halloween special yes we, uh, I'm very much looking forward to this. We're going to talk, uh, you know, a bunch of scary stuff today, a bunch of spooky stuff, you know. Spooktacular. Spooktacular, yes. Good. And, uh, you know, with Star Wars, you you know, you have no shortage of, uh, you know, scary, you know, scenes or monsters or creatures or just lore in general, you know. Uh, we talked before about, like, brain invaders and, like, uh, you know, we're going to come back to, like, rancors and um you know uh the sarlacc pit and stuff like that and i don't know i mean it's just a hodgepodge of things but uh but to get started we should saw we should jump into more recent star wars dues yeah yeah i feel like 
everything was going great for our uh, spooktacular episode until they decided to drop a ton of news in the last uh, like couple of weeks here. Let alone that we were so close in our predictions. You know what yeah. I mean? Like <laughs> we uh, we like la- on the last episode we actually talked a little bit about the you know the John Favreau live action show that they were coming up with, and uh, you know it. We, you know, we heard the rumors that, you know, it was going to be some kind of a Mandalorian subplot, you know, whether it be on the, on Mandalore itself or just involved maybe one of the Fets, you know, mm-hmm. it, it would have been exciting. And I think within a day or two after that dropped, I sent you the official synopsis that they sent and it's yeah. just like Django Fett and Boba Fett yeah. are gone. Yeah. <laughs> following in the legacy. Following in the legacy. Yeah. So, uh, let's get into that a little bit. It's, um, the title of this, uh, show is actually just going to be called the Mandalorian. Right. Which I love. That's awesome. It's very subtle. Like, yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, we, we get so kind of worked up about, you know, the names of different star Wars projects and things you know that they kind of well we can learn so much about it and it's like well this is pretty on the nose like it's like this is gonna be called the mandalorian it's gonna deal with a mandalorian <laughs> do you think it's gonna be called star wars the mandalorian i do yeah i mean they gotta put that in there just to make sure you know what's going on yeah, I guess. so people don't get confused yeah but uh, i mean let's talk with about all the other mandalorians out yeah. there of course well hold on for first of all let's talk about the actual costume all right. Cool. So like they, they released one, uh, you know, official image of it so far. And uh, at first glance, I remember I saw it and I was like, that's just some bro at like a con. You yeah. Because for what it's worth, like people who actually make the, the Mandalorian outfits, they do it up and they do a great job of it. No, no, absolutely. You know? Yeah. And, I mean, we, we kind of touched on like the 501st last time. And like, I mean, they, they've done like I feel like in like since the release of that one, like production image of the costume like i feel like they've talked to like the one guy like the the original 501st guy like mandalore the uniter or yeah yeah um like a few times and like just to like get his opinion on it like i've read interviews with him on like four different websites it's kind <laughs> of silly i mean like i said he's he knows the game uh, i mean there there are people who they they take images of Django and boba and they go from head to foot and just you know memorize almost every little detail of it mm-hmm. and i mean every every mandalorian armor set you come across is more or less the same it's got their own variation and their own play on it and whatnot but you know it's uh it, it makes it look cool and that's not really to knock the the way the outfit actually looks if anything i consider that more of a compliment than anything else because yeah. it's unique yeah you know it's unique to that style yeah and, i agree i mean i think you know it has a few kind of stylistic differences i mean it like the mask itself maybe looks a little bit narrower i would say maybe like more recent in the mandalorian yeah exactly aspect. like you could yeah you could say that like you know like boba fett's mask for instance is kind of like rough cut it's also i mean it's it's older comparatively to mm-hmm. you know what more recent mandalorians might be wearing right you know because if you think about it it's actually Django's helmet mm-hmm. you know when he was still alive and everything and he just yeah. repainted it and, and he whatnot had it repainted, yeah so you think about it, it's a span of x amount of years you know 30 plus years or something like that and it's just another random mandalorian like there's no name for this guy so they're kind of going for the clint eastwood man yeah. with no name feel for yeah. it it's got a western feel to it it's got a big old gun slang like yeah. slang you, across his back on that front did you see that john favreau released an image of the of that weapon no no i actually didn't <laughs> yeah this is actually a pretty awesome story like i literally just saw this this morning okay um so Sorry that I didn't like include it in the show notes or anything. No, 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 no. Um, I, I, 
I've been watching like, you know, videos here and there of like, oh, first look at this and that. It's literally just like it's scenes of Boba and Django mixed together with words in front of it. And then yeah. they just show the one shot. <laughs> so it's like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, I get it. You know, I'm excited, too. But just give me a little more. That's yeah. all. So I will I'll first I'll name it and then I'll I'll show Connor the picture and I'll we'll put this on the Facebook page as well, I guess. Yeah. Um, but so it has a known name, which is it is considered an Amban phase pulse blaster Ooh! whoa holy cow wow <laughs> holy cow all right this thing looks like it's it already looks kind of like a stun staff you would see yes. you know with the tip and everything yeah yeah so it has these kind of like metal fins on the end of the like the rifle end if you will it, it has a very and like, it's very it's very old-timey i would say very like old-timey it, it has a steampunk feel to it for it, sure yeah, yeah. you know it looks like a rolling rock rifle just with like i said with an axe added to the front yes or something like that but that's insane yeah but Jeez. so it actually gets even better because the that weapon very first appeared in the star wars holiday special no oh <gasps> That, oh, it, 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 when Boba showed up, that's son, oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so the very first time we actually see Boba Fett <laughs> was in the Star Wars holiday special. And he's, like, I mean, it's kind of this very, like, you know, this is not his final production appearance, obviously. Oh, my um, God. He, and he's animated, but he is carrying the same type of rifle. So. Oh, that's so gnarly. Or perhaps it is the same rifle. But still, that that's just... Oh, that was a genuine shock on my part. Yes, I can tell. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I didn't. E- I really didn't even put two and two together on that. So that's that's pretty rad that they're going for that route. Okay. Yeah. Making the holiday special canon again. I'm exactly. all about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that means that, you know, Chewie's backstory of having a wife and son is also canon. Oh, yeah. I, I just want to see Princess Leia start singing and, like, have Han Solo <laughs> look awkward in the background and yes. feel good about it. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but, I mean, other than that, like, uh, you know, when we talked last time about, um, we talked about Solo and Rogue One having, you know, problems with director issues here and there this is an opportunity where they want more than one director right so you know they're gonna have john favreau as the executive producer i believe mm-hmm. right yeah and i believe like i believe he is writing the show as well yes and then they're gonna have um several directors come in and actually direct like uh you know several of the first 10 episodes they're putting yes. out yeah I, well i did actually even hear <laughs> one one comment and i don't know if this is actually factual or not but they might have reduced the like episode order from like 10 down to eight which that's not such a bad thing no i mean i think if you know if the story would be stronger told a little bit more quickly or if like they need a little bit more you know money in cgi or you know effects kind of budget yeah you know make it happen of Um, course that's like we were saying before as long as they do a lot of practical stuff mm -hmm. you know it it, it'll add just that much more to how real it is yeah you know? which i think is one of the important things like looking at the you know the still of the costume being released is yes like, okay you know if they're able to pull off this good looking of a costume like you know that means that they're gonna probably want practical effects as often as possible and you can tell like from the, sh- the shots that we didn't talk about last time that they're on location somewhere yes so rather than being on you know stage with the green screen behind them it is oh yeah. you know we like actually, actually scouted yeah they've built a set and like they're you know it, it's a real place <laughs> I, yeah i'm all about it but like director wise um the first episode is going to be directed by none other than Dave Fellini. Yes. He's going to have his cowboy hat going. Probably. I'm going to love it. 
<laughs> and then we're going to have uh, Deborah Cho, who uh, is famous for her role with um, Jessica Jones. Yes. Uh, she directed a couple episodes of that. That's a good show. Uh, you got, I'm actually going to let you say this name because I know <laughs> yeah. I'm going to mess it and up. I, I might even mess it up. I believe it's Rick Femi, Femuia. Femuia. Is he, uh, he's the one who did Dope? Yes, right? Dope. Yeah, yeah, which is like a coming of age tale kind of that came out a couple years ago i mean i know it was like very well received from yeah. critics and whatever so i mean that sounds pretty good and then uh we also have bryce dallas howard yes yeah bryce dallas howard yeah. um she of uh you know jurassic world fame yes. of uh high heels running fame yes. that kind of stuff i'll be um, interested to see what she brings yeah no absolutely i mean i think uh i mean i think she kind of has like, i know she was in an episode of um uh, Black Mirror a couple years back. Yeah. And I actually, like, I kind of want to say that she either produced or directed that episode. Which, I mean, she also, I mean, she's the daughter of... Of Ron Howard. Ron Howard. And, yeah. I mean, you want to talk about Ron Howard bringing everyone into the family business. He's already had his touch on Star Wars. Yeah, so exactly. what the heck? Just finished up Solo, and now it's like, okay, now here you go, daughter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got this for you. <laughs> Give you the reins. Yeah. Come to daddy's work. Yes. But, uh, and then uh, to top it all off, one of the best announcements for it taika watiti yes uh of uh, thor ragnarok fame mm-hmm. he is going to be directing at least one episode and i'm curious to see exactly how they use him and i want to see if they actually go forward and like let him just kind of run loose with it yeah you know it, at the same time as it could be exciting because you know how good like thor was and i mean other what we do in the shadows and other of his projects and stuff like that I just don't want to see him come up with another goofy character. Right. You know? Like, what it, I mean, this would be the perfect opportunity since Disney and Marvel are both... I mean, Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars, you know, it's all under one moniker now to actually see them, you know, at one point, like, the Mandalorian just happens to be hunting down... Um, uh, a ferocious cor- rock monster. Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> so you got a stun pike on your back, you know, yeah. <laughs> something like that. We're going to yes. start a revolution. This is my friend Doug. <laughs> you know, something like that. But I mean, it, it could be good. It could. There's there's no shortage of room for being silly in Star Wars. You know, no, as I, as serious not. of a story as, as it is, you know, you can do silly as long as you do it right. You know, and we, I was talking before about like the non cheese edits of, uh, you know, the prequels and stuff like that, making it more serious and everything else. If you leave at least a few jokes in here and there, you can't go wrong with it. No, I agree. I mean, like, I genuinely, I mean, maybe I'm somewhat in the minority on this, but like, you know, when I kind of look back at like The Last Jedi, one of my favorite components from it was like the genuine humor of it. Yeah. Like, I, you know, within the first few minutes when, uh, like Poe calls the interdictor, uh, or whatever they call it. They don't call it an interdictor, but that's what it is. Yeah. That's how I know it as. Yeah, it, um, it stops the ship's cold, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and he's like, "Up, oh, still holding for uh, General Hux." Actually, you know, it's funny. According to the book, he pronounces it "hugs." Hugs with a G. Yes. Still looking for Mister Hugs. Or, you know, <laughs> General Hugs. Uh, you know, pasty guy, red hair kind of gaunt yeah. you know that kind of stuff it, but, it's it's fun yeah and like i genuinely was like cracking up in the theater and i still crack up even when i watch it now like of course you know, on, on like my you know probably 10th watch through at this point like, they they have a lot of genuine humor with it and that's i mean that's that's the kind of thing you want to keep with it and yeah you know as, as many problems as people may see with the movie you know you're still gonna have a good time watching it i mean if you laugh it, it seems like you're doing a good job yes you know what i mean yeah if you make me laugh i think i'm gonna enjoy the movie regardless yep and that is my obligatory 
defending the last Jedi for the day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, to get on to, uh, you know, any kind of like actors or anything like that, there's only really one name that's actually announced. Um, and I'm excited about this cause I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually watching Narcos right now, which he's also in, but mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal, yes. uh, who is, uh, he was, he played, uh, Prince Oberyn Martell from, uh, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very cool guy. There's tons of edits on, uh, YouTube of like the lightsaber edit, you know? So it's yeah. like him with the spear. Now it's a double-headed lightsaber and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you can already see that he's got some skill. He's already got some action skills under him and everything like that. I'll be yeah. excited to see what he brings if he's actually going to play the Mandalorian. Yes. That should be interesting to that see would, how it comes Yeah, off. that would be really interesting to see. I mean, I think, you know, one of the, the kind of rumors that we've been dealing with is like, okay, well, I mean, particularly like if, you know, if Dave Filoni is going to be involved in this in any way, like, you know, are we going to even see maybe some of those, like his characters from the animated shows, probably particularly Rebels, because the timeline would be more in line with that. But it, I mean, it would be nice to see some kind of like, uh, you know, flash forward or something like that to Sabine. Yes. You know, from yeah. Rebels. Yeah, or she, uh, She's certainly the name that we hear, I think, most often. Since yeah. She is a Mandalorian as well. The, like the thing I love about it is like I, I, I did not want to give uh, Rebels any kind of, you know, wiggle room and all especially mm-hmm. like the first season it's kind of the same thing you have with clone wars it's like all right it's kind of like a kid's show which it is obviously uh and then it really picks up you know it gets very exciting and mm-hmm. uh you know if particularly like with this season three that i'm watching right now um sabine was one of those ones like i kind of wrote off because i was like all right they're just going for it's a boba fett helmet with uh you know, pink and blue and just racing stripes and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I kind of see where they're going for. But now you realize that, like, she's actually pretty cool, you know. And on top of that, in season three, they give her a lot more wiggle room. There's a lot more backstory to her as a Mandalorian and everything like that. And with Dave Filoni being involved, as you said, he's brought a lot to, to the table with it comes to Mandalorian lore. Yeah. At least in the new canon. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, especially kind of, you know, assuming that we're not going to get sort of the, uh, you know, the expanded universe version of things. Yeah. Um, which then- is neither here nor there. Yeah. The only other name, I guess, real quickly, because I, I think while we're talking animated, we want to transition to resistance. Oh, yeah. Um, but the only other name that's been rumored is Werner Herzog who's best known as a director. Yeah. Although I forgot to write down any of the movies that he's done. He's very much like an art house director. Oh, no, he totally is. Um, one of the best roles I actually remember him from, honestly, it's not even, uh, you know, a documentary or anything like that. It was uh, a cameo, a little cameo that he did in the movie Penguins. Okay. Uh, like the Madagascar Penguins, right? Yeah. It was like their standalone movie. And he was like, he was like a narrator for a document, the documentary about penguins or something like that. And it was just like, these penguins, you know, they, they look off the cliff and they, you know, they just see life or something like that. And all of a sudden they're like, like off the screen, he's like, kick them off the side. And like, you just see the, the <laughs> camera guy, like knock these penguins off the cliff or something <laughs> like that. It's kind of sad, but it's yeah. funny. But yeah. I remember his, he has a very distinct kind of like gravelly yes. German voice. Yes. So, definitely, yeah. So, so, you know, you wonder if he could be either like a, you know, an elder type of Mando figure or potentially a bad guy or something some kind of villain yeah i could see him being some kind of like big wig in one of the criminal yeah, uh, like organizations cr- yeah, yeah like a crime kingpin or whatever yeah but so, we'll have to see i mean as i say i don't think either of those names are officially confirmed no i mean i i do hope for pedro because yeah. uh like i said he he's kicking butt in narcos he's kicking butt in 
he did kick butt in uh, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, and everything. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm excited to see where he goes. You know, so yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, I think that you know that would be probably a casting decision that I could get behind for sure. So uh, to jump into Resistance, uh, did you watch it? I did. You did watch it. I did, which I, is weird for me. Yeah, I'm I, normally like years behind on stuff like that well see that's the difference i actually didn't okay i didn't know when it was actually premiering but i've seen tons of things and one of the things i saw was uh, a video that essentially was the title was star wars resistance is good like <laughs> it it turned out to be like a very good first episode yeah right yeah no i very much enjoyed it i thought i mean like honestly well so i don't know like even why this is the case but currently like on on demand and i have comcast like i don't know if this would be universal for people with other you know providers or whatever but like the first episode and then actually the next two are all available on demand even though the next two haven't officially aired yet really yeah so i've actually seen you know basically like an hour and a half worth of uh worth of resistance content already i have to Um, go home and watch that now. yeah but and but I would honestly say I enjoyed the first episode more than I enjoyed the next two. Yeah. You know, the next two, like they do kind of go into the world building of like Colossus, uh, you know, this like refueling station that Kaz is staying on. And like I mean it's but it's kinda of one of these things where like I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, when are they gonna you know, when are they going back to the spying part? When are they going back to, you know, this? And like and like the the next two episodes definitely do remind you that it's it is like a kids show. Oh, for sure. Um but I mean it's still like yeah, the first episode is very strong, I think, and then um, you know, it, it's still fun. Well, yeah, I feel like when they when they do something like this, you always wanna have a very strong outing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, did it have any kind of like cliffhanger? Did it, was it like, uh, oh, you know, we we expect to see much more from this, you know, random spy or something like that? Well, sort of, yeah. I mean, it's you know, well, so like the first episode. I mean, not to like sort of give it all away, but like it, that's where we do actually see like Poe. Yeah. You know, and it, and he is voiced by Oscar Isaac, which is cool. Which is cool. Um, but then, like the one thing that you kind of get to see is you know they do these kind of like perspective switches at the very end of the episodes hmm. where they go to the first order side of things. Um, and there's this one, I mean, there's this fighter pilot that we don't know who it is. Um, but he seems to be, you know, very like he's going to play a large role. Fair and enough. then in the one episode, like Phasma appears Yeah, and she is voiced by Gwendolyn Christie. That's cool. Yeah. Like they, like to that extent, like they brought back all of the, you know, the actual voices, like with the exception that like we get to hear Leia talk in the first episode. And obviously it's not Carrie Fisher, but, yeah. um, you know, but even at that, they, like, I feel like they probably wrote it originally with her saying a lot, but then they kind of like cut back a lot of her lines. Oh, more or less, you know. Yeah, and that's kind of okay. I mean, like, I think the woman who does the voice is fantastic. That, that's um, just terrific voice acting right there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's nothing that you wouldn't expect, but I just feel like a lot of those lines ended up going to, like, Oscar Isaac. <laughs> well, I, I'd be curious to see if they dive into, I mean, I know this is going to be more or less centralized, uh, you know, around these, you know, ragtag group of people, but uh, I'd be curious to see if they bring up any kind of, like, uh, backstory or anything like that to kylo ren like if he decides to show up at all or like you know because out of everyone who's introduced so far he has the most mysterious background and just in the various books that he appears in thus far at least Mm -hmm. he's only a baby 
Yeah. And like there's there's one book called Bloodlines. It's all about Leia. And, uh, you know, Ben is, you know, he's with Luke through the the entirety of the book. But you never hear about it except just through Leia saying, oh, Ben's with Luke, you know. But you want to hear more about that. Like that's the whole thing you want to hear more about more than anything else is like what actually happened at the temple. Like, yeah, was the retelling true? Was it false? Was it, you know, plagiarized or just exaggerated? Who the hell knows? Right. Um, And I I think, um, and like, I think there's definitely room for that. Yeah. I mean, because he, like, you know, when we do see, like, the First Order side of things, we do not, like, we don't see him, and he's very conspicuously absent from that. But so that just kind of makes me wonder if he'll show up, you know, at a later date. It'd be fun if, like, Finn just popped out of nowhere. (laughs) FN2187. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I could, I could see that too. Um, something changed his mind about being a, a hero or something like that. <laughs> yeah, or trooper rather. Sorry. Yeah, um, but it was kind of cool. I mean, one of the things, uh, kind of just to touch very briefly on like the the voice talent again that I thought was a really nice touch was uh, like Greg Proops is in it doing the announcing for the sky races. No way. Yes. The same. Like it, it's not I the mean, same. I don't think it is the same because like there's not like the other head that talks in the other language. Bunta the bunta. Yeah. Angle the angle. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Uh, but like that was still like a nice subtle touch where it's like yes, you can recognize that this is the guy from the podcast race. <laughs> My favorite part of him like announcing it whenever he actually uh, announces job of the hut. Job of the hut. Oh, or whatever. Like does that weird noise. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just it's hilarious. Oh, that's gotta hurt. You know. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Looks like Ben Guadagnero lost his power couplings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gonna be fun. I need to. Yeah. All right. So if that's all on on demand, I'm definitely gonna have to jump on that. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm. You know, I'm intrigued. I mean, it, I can appeal, or I can appreciate that it's. You know, that it is appealing to a slightly younger generation. But mm-hmm. again, like you know, I think so far it's kind of following down that Clone Wars Rebels path, where like yes, we're going to get some. You know, kind of these are for the kids episodes, but then we're gonna get some things that are really cool and like very sophisticated and and play heavily into the star wars lore oh here's open but uh all right so that that's pretty good coverage and we'll have to keep in touch with it and see where it goes and uh you know just keep track of it you know Mm -hmm. i'll watch it and when we come back we can talk some more about it but uh to get into the spooktacular properly uh you know we want to talk about you know stuff that we labeled spooky star wars so yeah namely right off the top of the bat we have like a couple book suggestions um uh, the first one is death troopers um death troopers is uh, a it's a it's a book that's set outside of the uh legends canon or even the regular canon Mm -hmm. uh it's more of a fan book than anything else you know fan fiction and uh it's set on a uh, prison barge named Mm -hmm. the purge yes and uh essentially on the nose oh sorry yeah yeah (laughs) uh, so um they get uh stranded in space only to realize that there is an abandoned star destroyer nearby and they say okay well let's go up there and get the parts that we need since there's nobody there it's just this ghost ship and you know a crew of 10 goes up but only five come back and what five to do come back start experiencing you know sickness and whatnot and let alone uh you know this is the part where I'd say hilarity ensues, but uh, it, that's not the case. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so, I mean, like when it comes to the characters and stuff like that in the book, I'm a big fan of the brothers. Um, what the hell are their names? Kale and Trig Longo. Yes. Uh, they have a nice dynamic. Uh, then you also have um, Dr. Cody, 
Uh, she is the medical officer on the on the prison barge. Uh, you have uh, Captain Sartoris, mm-hmm. and he is uh, an Imperial Corrections officer. He's kind of like a badass to the whole thing, but he's also a hard ass at the same time. He kind of like cares about nobody but himself. Yeah, which is typical for a lot of Imperials. And then there are two other, uh, you know, people who actually show up in it. Because I remember when I actually read the description, um, you know, the it said four four prisoners. Two Imperial Corrections officers, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And I, it, that's all they gave you. And that's all I'm going to give you right now just because I don't want to really ruin the surprise of it. Because it is a, it's, it's a fun twist uh, when the other two prisoners are actually um, revealed halfway through the book. Yes. But uh, it, it's an interesting story to say the least. Like, uh, you know, you, you love everything about Star Wars, but this is an actual take on like a zombie epidemic, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. And now, I mean, I, I guess I'll just kind of... St- like lead with this um like this is not like my favorite personification of zombies no because they're like the kind of semi-intelligent zombies they learn yeah and they learn as the the as the book goes on yeah um and like i'm kind of not a fan of that like i like the like max brooks like uh like slow slaunting yeah you know like his kind of you know, expose work on like, this is what a zombie would be like. Well, I mean, you could say it's like walkers. Yeah. Original Dawn of the Dead walkers. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. They they don't run. They're not, um, you know, 28 days later, something right. like that, you know. Yeah. But, you know, with these, yeah. So what we're saying is, um, as the book goes on, as we were saying, they start to learn to the point where the zombies are literally shooting blasters at yeah. the prisoners and stuff yeah. like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's eerie to think that like, they're just, they're just grabbing up these weapons and they're not really aiming. They're just kind of pointing in the direction, yeah. hoping to hit but, something. Yeah. But it still like proves problematic and, you know, makes it harder for these characters to kind of make their escape or, you know, to be able to get away when it's like all of a sudden, you know, the zombies have ranged weapons. Oh and God. Yeah. Firing at them. So, I, yeah. And like I said, it's, it, you talk about like the prison barge, I think it had like a capacity of like less than 600 people on yeah. it and then it gets attached like they attach themselves to the star destroyer to go for the parts and the star destroyer and even one of the you know the corrections officers says it should hold a crew of ten thousand or more mm-hmm. so you think about how many you know dead people are just stacked in this freaking floating ship it's just yeah. terrifying yeah and they um the zombies themselves actually communicate through screaming yes which in the in the audiobook is terrifying oh, i can the, imagine the yeah. very first time that they uh that they screamed it's I, i'm not going to try and re, you know recreate it but it's a high-pitched wailing mm-hmm. and it just catches you off guard because you're just like <gasps> you know yeah. you're just like <laughs> i remember jumping in the van like jesus christ you yeah. know like what the hell and then yeah. uh you know partway through the book they come along they come across um these <coughs> excuse me these set of uh black tanks and red tanks and i was talking about this before how it's like a two-part epoxy or something like that right mm-hmm. so one part is the actual infection and the other part is the result of the infection i think is how it comes about okay so the way it works is like you know it's a it's an airborne sickness or something like that and the six that are left alive have a natural immunity Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously they find about, they find out about it too late. They're able to make like an antivirus and all this kind of stuff, but you know, they, it, it just doesn't work out for them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how this works out because it, as we said, it's not so much that they die and just they're reanimated to the point where they're just sauntering. They, 
slowly regain some brain function, but it's yeah. like almost primal brain function. Yeah, you know, and I think that's even like another thing. At one point, they like they <coughs> capture one of the zombies, and they they're like they like inject it with the antibodies, and it like temporarily like regains its capacity you're right i remember it, they he tries to write something on the floor or yeah. something like that because he can't talk but you're right it, he comes back to himself just a little bit more mm-hmm. um but what was that word blackburn i think it was blackburn yeah, yeah. blackbird or blackbird one or the other but yeah it was like that was like the code that they needed or something like that it was like just sheer luck yeah. but that's all star wars ever is yeah um, it's a very i mean that's a very uh I don't know. I mean, as I say, like I do enjoy the stories. They're like they're genuinely scary. Oh hell yeah! Um, but it is like this is also a very much like well we've we've made this decision that we're gonna have these certain characters involved in it. So. Yeah, and I, I mean it just it makes you think that like how could I mean like especially when you you know hear about these characters later on in the lore and it's like how are you guys even still like acting with this kind of bravado unless you're just thinking to yourself like well obviously you made it out of this scrape unscathed so you're just going to be cocky for the rest of your lives or something like that but regardless um to get back to like the whole idea behind the virus it's actually explained in the prequel book that came out after death troopers which is called red harvest right and it's it's not the best explanation you're ever going to (laughs) hear but it's definitely interesting to hear so for starters this book also introduced the fact that uh at least to me that there was more than just you know your standard warrior jedi there were jedi who specialized in uh you know different kinds of fields of the force so you can have people who you know communicate with animals and stuff like that well in this book there is a jedi who can communicate with uh um plants okay you know know, (laughs) it's a herbiculture or you know horticulture uh Mm -hmm. whatever it is um and her special, like, you know, her special specimen is this black orchid that, like, in the book, she's literally talking to through her mind, mm-hmm. you know, and she's just, you know, keeping it safe, performing studies on it. She's working on this planet that's just preserving all these extinct wild, li- or, you know, wild flora and stuff like that. And uh, she gets kidnapped while she's on this planet by a whippet, which is already a gnarly beast if you ever get a can- chance to look it up. Yeah. It's a scary looking monster, but he's a bounty hunter. And the, she gets taken to a Sith Academy. I want to say the planet is Odessa Fauster. Um, but uh, she is taken there and the plant is taken there as well. Because for this to work, she needs to be there to keep the plant alive. And the person who actually put out the bounty is a Sith Lord named Darth Scabrus. And what he's trying to do is achieve immortality. And now he's like he's learned through... Uh, his research in the actual like Sith library while he was there that there was a holocron like hidden there and this other Sith Lord that was dead a thousand years was also trying to reach immortality in some way you know and uh, he kind of came up with this way but it didn't work and the way that he actually made the substance and this is the most bizarre part he takes the flower puts it into a vat and this is an extremely rare va- flower mind you there's not that many in the freaking galaxy and uh, the you know it goes through all the bells and whistles, gets melted down, whatever, turns into this like weird, almost sentient, like gelatinous black ooze and gets injected into this Sith student that like was, you know, performing badly. You want to talk about a shitty detention. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, So, um, you know, he gets infected and he was, he's patient zero at that point. He gets loose, you know, bites Scabrous and then, 
he's off and he infects the entire academy. So mm-hmm. before we were talking about how the zombies actually learn, right? And they were learning to use blasters. They freaking learn how to use, use lightsabers. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> it's scary as hell, uh, you know. And like it's, just, I mean, it's it's not just uh, you know, and especially with Death Troopers too. You know, it's not just humans. It's uh, you know, you get your ragtag of like Zabrak, Wookies, mm-hmm. other kind of crazy species that are just affected in weird ways. So it's like it's terrifying. Yeah, but um, I I mean I think when it comes to it, I would recommend Death Troopers over Red Harvest. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't. I personally don't have a frame of reference because I haven't read Red Harvest. Well, yeah, I, like I said, I I feel like when they came out with it, it was more or less just to give you some backstory on how the whole, you know, epidemic yeah. came about. Yeah, and for that matter, it makes more sense because it's like, oh, Palpatine was, you know, digging through the Sith archives right, as and much found as he could. This evidence of this thing. Yeah, know? and rather than use it for himself. He decides to use it as like a biological weapon yeah. on, uh, you know, you know, certain, you know, uprisings, rebellions, <laughs> and stuff like that. I don't know. Sure. I, I think someone in the book even says as much that it was a black project, and like they're not sure if it a- happened accidentally or if he was actually it was done on purpose. You know, it was like on a time delay or something like that, so mm-hmm. that the emperor could study from afar, right? And stuff like that. So even that is a crazy, like kooky aspect, but it's scary. Yeah, you know. But um, you yeah. know, ju- to jump off this, like I said, I would definitely recommend Death Troopers over Red Harvest any day. Yeah, yeah. Both books, I guess, just like you know, to be kind of thorough about it, were written by a guy named Joe Schreiber, um, and you know, I think the plan, I think, at one point was to kind of create this whole like Star Wars horror universe, basically. It would have been interesting um, for sure. Yeah, but. Then, you know, but so these books came out like in the early 2010s, like just before like the Disney acquisition. And, oh, yeah. And I feel like that's kind of why we haven't heard or heard or seen anything else like that to this point. I mean, it I, ma- yeah, it makes yeah. sense. I know like right now, for instance, they're starting, they're doing, it's actually through IDW instead of Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, but they're doing a comic run called like Tales from Darth Vader's Castle. I've heard about this. I want to, I, I want to get my hands on it because it yeah. sounds really good yeah and like i mean like idw kind of has this like i mean to me they're kind of like this very light-hearted brand normally yeah but they have occasionally delved into heavier topics and things like that and and like i've been told that it's like genuinely a like spooky series oh well i mean if they want to make a comic series out of anything definitely like just make a comic book adaptation of one of these novels yeah and, you know <laughs> it'll be scary for sure oh yeah um, but I mean, if you want to talk about scary in, uh, you know, Star Wars lore, you can't go wrong with the Yuuzhan Vong, man. No, certainly not. I, you know, we've, I mean, I've kind of talked about the Yuuzhan Vong in much earlier episodes. Of course. Um, you know, that they're these just like barbaric warrior race of people that, you know, basically the only way that they can kind of you know, express themselves is literally by like maiming their own bodies. Yeah. Um, like it's like a sign of reverence if they like gouge out their eye or like stab themselves in their shoulder. So like with this pike or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like, I mean, they kind of have this, like I was kind of looking at some of these pictures while we were preparing for this episode. And I was like, you know what? They kind of are like, they are almost like predator like, 
predator like maybe kind of orcish as well yeah yeah definitely i think a combination of those two if you oh, want to yeah. put those two things in your mind and be and just <laughs> smash them together that's definitely terrifying and then cover them with tattoos and like living snake weapons and <laughs> well so like i was taught we were talking about vector prime you know on the last one like i had just finished reading that and one of the first times you actually hear about the use on vong is uh, a guy who's living in plain sight and the way he does it is uh by essentially using uh you know a face mask that's made up of this like living shell that hides his true form mm-hmm. it's like terrifying the way to describe it because it essentially just it doesn't like it's not something you just pull over your head and like you know you look like somebody else it's a living being that like forms to your face and it's like oh i can finally show my true face or something like that but it's terrifying yes and they also use that or something like that to communicate with or something like that right yeah yeah it's a some kind of ball or some i mean something like that i can't remember exactly what the deal is but it's very terrifying the way that they actually like depict all of their i mean their their arsenal so to speak of Mm. just what the hell they can use the living ships the the staffs whatnot Mm -hmm. but uh yeah they it they they added a whole new meaning to evil, you know, for the Star Wars universe. Yes. You know, I think once they were lacking, you know, the Sith or rather the Dark Jedi of the time, mm-hmm. you know, they needed someone to come in and they, they really came in on freaking Vector Prime. And I'm excited to get into more of the books myself. So, yeah. Yeah. But, and so, I, I mean, and so I'll try to do this particularly in a way to as to not spoil it. But like at one ahead, point, yeah. there is a there's a character from you know kind of the hero's side of things who gets captured by the yuzan vong Mm -hmm. and you know he's he's tortured and he's basically held for over a year like i think it's like three years or something jesus and like just like literally the way that his mind is remade by the time that he's released by the yuzan vong is like he's literally a different person yeah i i've i've heard stories at least but oh, I, yeah. I i'm glad you're kind of holding off on it because i don't want to re- i want to get into the stories myself like the, yes. I, i'm gonna get the next one online you know sooner or yeah. later but um i'll be interested to see where it pulls off from there but you know if you want i mean if you want to be spooked out this uh this spooktober this <laughs> yes. october whatever <laughs> you know look up a picture of yous on vong yeah you know at yeah. the very least <laughs> i think i noticed when i was on like wikipedia that there's literally just a section entitled like pictures of the Yuzon Vong. <laughs> and it's like 150 images, you know, like, I mean, some of them from like official sources. Yeah. Uh, you know, some probably are just like fan renderings or whatever. And I mean, they, they also did comic book renditions yes. of the story as well. Yeah, exactly. As I say, I think they like the very first appearance is in like a comic called uh, Dark Empire. And then um, they, they even kind of re-enter the story in like one of the future comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's actually legacy Two, not to be confused with the original legacy. Fair enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So the original legacy is the one with Cade Skywalker. Oh, all right. And so then the like legacy Two, which is one that I haven't read, but this is as I understand it, where the use on Vong are reintroduced because they have actually become part of society in the, yeah. in the galaxy. That, I mean, that's, I do remember that just from the first legacy of the Force series that uh-huh. they talk about, like that there's still use on Vong, you know, ships and stuff like that out there. Yeah. So I, I mean, in that, in that vein, I was jumping the gun in the way of the story and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to get into at least one series, and that was a good series to get into. But regardless, yeah, um, they're going to be creepy no matter which way you, you know, you cut it. Yeah, and they perform all of these like horrific like experiments, basically, um, on you know, 
creatures from within the Star Wars galaxy and planets within the galaxy. Like they, like they do what they call Vong forming. Yes, which is which is different from terraforming. Terraforming, <laughs> allegedly. Well, I mean, it, they, I mean, they do the same thing with Jedi too, right? To try and understand how they work and stuff yes. like that. Yeah, I think even through the first book, they were like, "You were not honorable" or something like that. You yeah. have fought honorably. You know, they're yeah, they're very serious about how they, you know, how they display themselves and stuff like that. So, no, absolutely, it, it's freaky. Yes. Um. Well, with my uh, my list here that i have i i have uh you know just two names that i could pull just in the way of i mean let's let's be let's be clear the sith are evil you yes. know um the two names that i pulled up we got darth vader and darth bane yes um and those are probably two of the more, more popular names out there mm-hmm. when it comes to uh you know sith lore in, in itself and you go back to like uh you know if you're if you're picking up um the original thrawn trilogy again we have to make an obligatory thrawn thing yes um when you hear them talk about you know vader and you know other people who fall into the dark side they're referred to as dark jedi so the idea of sith wasn't even around at that time right you know it's kind of like mixed definitions of sith as well that's also true i mean there's this thing there's like the idea of being a gray jedi where you're right Mm -hmm. in the middle and all this kind of stuff but regardless like the sith didn't really become a thing until the prequels came about and i'm kind of glad that they did it this way and like they were able to make you know add it into the uh knights of the Old public games in that fashion too, Mm -hmm. give it some more history and whatnot so i mean the sith themselves are very interesting you know diabolical race of jedi essentially yeah you know, dark well, jedi whatever well, yeah and there is i mean to that end about race there mm-hmm. is actually like that's kind of where it gets convoluted in it's the Legends a race continuity is that there is a race of people called the sith the sith fari or yeah. is it the sith well i mean there's i mean there's they just refer to themselves as the Sith. Sith. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you're right, though. They're, they're like red these, skin. Yeah, they're red skinned and they're kind of like humanoid looking, but they kind of have these like face tendrils and yeah. like certain other things. And basically, all Sith were at least somewhat force sensitive. Yes. Like it was kind of like a permutation of their like race. Mm-hmm. But eventually, you know, through years of trying to like keep the line pure, if you will, yeah. they, uh, basically were extinguished and then you know along the way like they just like they were killed off by jedi by like other wells yeah even other, other sith, sith. Yeah. yeah so i mean in that vein like you could see where it comes from like because like there was a lot of infighting when it comes to the sith lore and stuff mm-hmm. like that which actually leads to where darth bane comes in mm-hmm. uh darth bane himself was uh you know he started off as just like a commando in the uh sith army like yes. uh, he was like a sith commando or something like that yeah and they saw his talents with the force and everything and they started maturing him and he saw the whole idea of sith equality mm-hmm. as like a plague on you know what the sith means and stuff yes. like that and he yeah. became obsessed with it and he's responsible for what we know now as the rule of two right uh, you know, there's always a master to hold power and there is a uh, apprentice to crave to, said power. Yes. <laughs> or, you know, want that said power, you know, mm-hmm. withhold the power, crave the power. I forget exactly how it goes, but I, th- I, ex- I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. But, so the, the idea is that like in his first book, uh, Path of Destruction, um, he actually tricks like the last remaining tribes of the Sith into f- killing themselves essentially yes. yeah until he's the last one left yeah and he was in the uh 
like the thought bomb. Yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, he's like, there's there's one thing left that you can do, and it's the only thing that'll work. And he, you know, he's the last person alive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's where he goes on saying that, like, the only way we can survive, the only way we can fulfill our grand plan of finally destroying the Jedi is from the shadows. You know, mm-hmm. that's the only way we can really operate. And uh, I just remember reading the book and, like, thinking of how, like, evil this son of this crazy guy is yes i know i'm trying not to swear too much but uh <laughs> it's to put an explicit tag on some of these episodes i know i know i'm or we're sorry. gonna get kicked off because i don't put the explicit tag on. <laughs> well so all right um to put it you know evilly if you will or spookily uh there's one point where uh this dad and like a couple of his kids are like walking down a stream and like the one kid picks up a lightsaber and he's like daddy look and he's like put that down next thing you know the freaking lightsaber goes off and kills the kid and then like goes over and kills the other kid like all while in the air and it's all bane doing it with the force yes and the dad's like just kill me just end it you know why are you doing this and he doesn't because he wants to feel that anguish yes that's what fuels yeah. him yeah because i think the the background to that if i'm not mistaken is that like bane was hurt yes and like so he needed he needed that fear and anger and hatred to fuel him to allow him to survive a little while longer to yeah i think he was poisoned or something like that. yeah that's and, exactly what it is yeah and like he you're, you're exactly right because like he just had to it, it it it's it's crazy how it works, but that's what show, that's how you, that's how you show just how powerful the dark side is. Mm-hmm. It's just the the, the emotions are so powerful in themselves: fear, anger, hatred, all that kind of stuff. That like it could fuel you for that much longer and just carry you to your ultimate destination. Yeah. But he was running out of his own you know fear and anger. He was just right. kind of getting lamented with it, and like that's why he had to do this thing to you know pull on it. And you can even go with the whole idea of it. I mean, as weird as it may sound, with medical like he is kind of adjusting the metachlorians maybe yeah to help himself yeah but that's neither here nor there they never mentioned it in the book that's right. just speculation <laughs> or whatever i'm not trying to make them as canon as uh, they already are yeah i mean not well not to mention that in at least in disney canon we haven't really gotten a clear answer about metachlorians that's also true i heard an interesting thing this is going to be a, a complete segue <laughs> so and I, like I hadn't actually thought about it within this capacity, but so like in episode one, you know, we learn that oh, all you need to do is like take a little like prick of blood, and you can get the midichlorian count. Right. Uh, you know, we see Qui Gon do that with Anakin. So let's go back to episode four now for a moment. Uh oh. When Han Solo denies the existence of the Force. Yes. So does that mean that like Han Solo is like an anti? like evolutionist or something like that. Like he's a creationist. <laughs> well, I mean, like he's like, Oh, here's irrefutable science that I don't believe in that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you kind of just threw me through a loop on that. I, I know. Uh, That's, I, this is more horrifying than anything we've talked about. <laughs> dun, to this dun, point. Yeah. Oh my God. But Han Solo is a moron. <laughs> he's a, he's a flat tattooiner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Um, well, I mean, I, yeah, uh, it's hard to say because at the same time he's also just kind of making fun of the idea that you're believing in something, right? But if he is denying that, and they're trying to make the force more scientific than you know just altruistic, I don't know. It, it it's hard to say. That that's that's an interesting thought. I, I'd be I'd be interested to hear what some other people have to say about it, but. He's a conspiracy theorist. He is, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, 
um, what the hell, Palpatine did 9-11 or something like that, exactly. right? Something like that. I mean, maybe in some ways it's helpful. Like, you know, he's like, he sees through the the evil of the Empire or whatever. <laughs> I see through the lies of Jabba. Yeah. Or something like that. Oh, but right. yeah, I had never thought about this. This is, um, I, I, I don't know if I've really explicitly mentioned it on our like on the air on our podcast, but yeah. like I've been listening to Star Wars Minute. Yeah, which they go you know one minute at a time through all of the movies. Oh my god! Um, you know, and they start with Star Wars. So, yeah. Uh, so I'm still on the first one. I literally just cried. Like I've listened to 60 episodes now. <laughs> I try to just listen to one per day. Fair enough. Um, but they uh, so I, I literally am through the first hour of the first Star Wars movie. That's not bad. And this is what I like. So we like right now they're on the Millennium Falcon on their way to Alderaan. So this is where it, that's, where that conversation took place. It's so. completely random, but that I do like that. I'm gonna have to get into that. Yeah. Um. What the heck? Um. But getting back to you know the whole idea of Sith, Metaclorians, yada yada yada, or whatever. The whole idea of hate, fear, and anger. Do you think that's how Darth Maul survived for so long, <laughs> that's, being bisected? Yeah, I mean, I think that's. I mean, they kind of, in a very roundabout way, like you know, given that it is still like a children's show. Oh yeah. Like they kind of talk about, well, you know, all he could think about was his hatred for Obi Wan and like his failure. And his, yeah, and his failure to you know be the Sith Lord that he needs to be, and you know, and that f- hate is what fueled him. Uh, and allowed him to survive for, you know, I mean, it, like we're basically, I mean, how far into the clone wars even are we? I mean, which is debatable. Oh yeah. But, uh, you know, it's like, we're still talking about probably, you know, seven years after he was cut in half. And he was just like, when they found Maul, he was just living on a junk, like a junk yeah, moon a or junk something planet, like that. Yeah. yeah. It's just insane. But you know, it, like I said, if you could explain Bane being poisoned, you know, to the point of paralysis, but able to, work his way up to, you know, just staying with it. I could believe that too. Yeah. You know? Otherwise you could just go for the, uh, how it should have ended answer, which I love that they did the, the Phantom Menace one where it was just like, he just pops out. Like it's just his torso. And he's like, master. And he sees Palpatine standing in front of the funeral pyre. And he's like, what, what, who are you talking about? It's like, I feel like I've been saved by thousands of fans or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's fan service. I've been saved by it or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So that was all about it. You know, yes. <laughs> um but we should we you know we should table it because i feel like uh we could do a whole episode on just sith lore versus jedi lore yeah you know which, yeah i think we should put that on the list for sure definitely but uh to jump into uh, another topic of you know spooky scary skeleton-esque things <laughs> i don't know spooky scary skeletons that's all i just came to my head fair enough um i actually put a little list of uh you know some credible scary monsters scary and monster, creatures yeah. throughout the Jedi lore. Um, let's start off with one of the more popular ones, the Sarlacc. Sure. Uh, so if anyone doesn't know, the Sarlacc is also known, at least in Return of the Jedi, as the Pit of Carcoon. Yes. Which is literally just where the Sarlacc resides. Yeah. It said online that the Tatooine is its home world, which I don't believe because you can no. find Sarlaccs everywhere. Yeah, I basically. mean, because they also appear like in the Force Unleashed, correct? If they appear in the Force Unleashed. They're on uh, Felucia, mm-hmm. and they also appear on Umbara. Okay, you know, and yeah. so it, it's not oh, uncommon. Yeah, yeah, it's not uncommon to think that they would end up anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a matter of how they work themselves out. So, all you ever see of the Sarlacc. Are its tentacles and the beak, which unfortunately was added in the special edition. Yeah, but we'll try which, to yeah. you know, forget that doesn't even <laughs> yeah. exist. Um, it actually, it, this is interesting. It takes thirty thousand years 
for a sarlacc to reach full maturity. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And like it, it's roughly about 100 meters like tall and wide and stuff like that. It's all buried underground. Like it'll take that time to bury itself underground and just it almost kind of works itself like a tree root where it establishes all these different, you know, avenues for its uh, you know, stomach and all that kind of stuff. It has several stomachs and the the uh the digestive system of a sarlacc is said to be excruciatingly slow. Mm. According to, I think, C-3PO, he says something along the lines of a thousand years for digestion or something like that. Yeah. So you can imagine just how bad Boba Fett feels down there. Yes. You know what I mean? But it's just, it's terrifying. Just think about, like, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you always hear about quicksand. And this is quicksand that can pull you down even further with freaking tentacles or something like that. You can come across it and not even realize it, you know, in some of these, you know, strange and exotic worlds in Star Wars. It's scary, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, other ones. Which, oh. which kind of gets to, you know, like last week when we were just talking about like how, like how like humans or other species of the Star Wars galaxy can survive on so many different planets. That's also true. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you know, if there's things like this that are capable of killing you, it's like, how, like how did civilization survive on Tatooine? Basically. Yeah. Espe- especially like if you follow, you know, like George Lucas's love for Dune and the notion that like this was a, lush and vibrant planet once upon a time that yeah. only through a great mining tragedy it became the arid planet that we know in a new hope and it, the other movies i've heard that tatooine's supposed to have and this is sound stupid but it's supposed to have the most delicious water in the galaxy <laughs> so it sounds silly i know but like all, the, all those moisture farmers yeah like I, that's just part of it it's like that that's where they make their killing is just pulling up water but yeah. <laughs> you know that and in that in that essence you can explain how people even live on you know freaking uh, Tatooine to begin with. Right. Um, but another, uh, you know, big, uh, monster, so to speak, that's in Star Wars lore. And we talked about this before the Wampa. Yeah. Uh, the Wampa is super scary. He's like the abominable snowman almost. Yes. Um, he's got white hair. He's got downward tusk like horns. Um, he's supposed to be, uh, roughly 200 kilograms in weight. That's dense. Yeah, dude. <laughs> he's bulky. He's wide. He has to turn sideways to get through a door. <laughs> As the kids nowadays say, he is thick. Yeah, with two C's. Um, <laughs> uh, he's about three meters high. So, I mean, you think about it almost like seven or eight feet or something like yeah, that. Yeah, about nine feet. Nine feet, right. Um, and the way he, uh, actually hunts is... He does the same thing for Luke. He'll stun the prey and he'll actually preserve it for later consumption. So he never eats the as soon as he eats it. He just kind of puts it down and somehow freezes it to the ceiling for whatever reason. Yeah. You know. I mean, it's very clever that it knows to do that. Yeah. I, I'd be curious to see actually how it does it, but they never explain like just how it works for that. But otherwise, you know, he'll just eat the meat that he finds, you know, scavenges here and there, like tauntauns and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But he is supposed to be the top predator on Hoth. Right. And other kind of ice-like planets. Um, and then you also have uh, a couple of the monsters that actually show up in Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones is as bad as a movie as it is. It gave us two very ferocious beasts. Yeah. Two of the three, really, because I, I, I consider the third one more of like kind of like a rhino. Yeah. You know, I really wouldn't call them terrifying. No. I, I didn't actually look up the name of that species, but we have the Acklay. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is kind of like a scuddly, crazy spider-looking guy. And the Nexu. 
um, which is kind of like a, a canine-like beast. He's like very ferocious. Uh, it's got sharp quills, two sets of eyes, uh, infrared vision. Sounds like a predator there. Um, but, you know, it's quick and it's got a huge, like, crazy maw, you know, yes. razor sharp teeth yeah, and all that kind pro- of stuff. Yeah, yeah, multiple, like, I forget what they call that, like, with, like, the snakes that can, like, unhinge their jaw. Yes. Um, like, it's like, oh, what's that word? I don't know. It's it, not that important. I don't even know either, but still. Uh, um, and then you have, uh, like I said, with the Ackley, um, they're, you know, they got six legs that, uh, you know, they're they're covered by like hardened skin. Uh, so it's almost like real tough to cut yeah, through them or even penetrate. A, penetrate. I remember playing um, Battlefront 2, the original Battlefront 2. Mm-hmm. And there's a point where you're actually on Felucia where they reside mm-hmm. and you get attacked by like a, you know, a rogue. Uh, gaggle of them if you will yeah. for lack of a better term well that's i mean well not to like take away from that moment sorry but um, no no like i am thinking about this and like how many of these like scary creatures actually are added into games along the way oh it's totally true because you know because there's wampas in uh shadows of the empire there's rancors in force unleashed there's, yeah rancors in force unleashed they're uh one of the ones that we haven't mentioned Ooh, excuse me, yet yeah, is the Dianaga. Ah, which, yes. Which is in Star Wars Dark Forces, which, <coughs> like, I have to say, the Dianaga in Star Wars Dark Forces is way scarier than the Dianaga in the Death Star Trash Compactor. Well, I actually have something to bring up about the Trash Compactor Dianaga. Go for it. Mm. So I've told you about this book before, and I actually went back and listened to this chapter today while I had a chance. But uh, the book is called star wars from a certain point of view yes and it's a retelling of a new hope but from all the perspectives of like the background the characters, background characters sure. it's got se- like several different narrators several different um authors mm. like even will wheaton got in on the ground i forget who actually wrote this one i think Traitor. it's called, yeah <laughs> i forget who actually wrote this story but i think it's called like the baptist or the chosen one or something like that but it's about uh the dianaga that resides in the trash compactor. So, essentially, to get to give you an idea of what they're like, they're a cephalopod species. Uh, they can grow to be between three to ten meters. Uh, you know, they got tentacles and just a single eye stalk. And uh, you know, they got they got a fanged maw with a sharp serrated probe. So kind of like uh, kind of like a, a, a an octopus without like the big bag for a head. You know, it's yeah. just got the stock, which is still terrifying in its own right. Yeah. But this this Dianaga that lives on the trash compactor, it was taken from its home planet. And, you know, there was a whole thing about, like, how it was just sitting in this transparent bubble on the way to the Death Star. Tried to escape, attacked two Death uh, Stormtroopers, and heard more coming and went back into this thing. And, like, did what octopuses could do and kind of, like, sealed it up by themselves and unsealed themselves and get themselves out of these tight spots and stuff like that. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But you also find out that they are a sentient being. Okay. To the point where uh, this one in particular has a little bit of force sensitivity. <laughs> and the reason, like, one of the sole reasons that it lets go of Luke is because she thinks that it's her mate. She has th- she has this feeling inside of her that she can't quite explain, <laughs> but she feels like this this male is like her her absolute like you know her other side her other part like it's something about her is you know familiar to her or something like that and so she goes to like get at luke and then she realizes through some kind of like touching thing that luke has a much more important role to play 
and so that's why she lets go and wow. stuff like that it's terrifying hold on loosely uh, yeah 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 <laughs> so i mean i don't know it, i i honestly i recommend that book highly because yeah. besides that story there are just tons of little stories i brought up before um uh, uh r5d4 r5 story yeah his story is adorable i love his story and then you hear there's tons of stories from the cantina uh-huh. there's like there's a bunch of it, the fir- very first story is like a prelude from rogue one straight into the beginning of new hope oh wow so that's that would be cool yeah be so cool. i i recommend it especially the audiobook version but regardless yeah um, yeah that i mean i have to say in that instance like i feel like that's the way i want to experience it just because like i know they have all this like very premier like voice talent that comes in and and like they do a lot of things that you don't expect well Uh, your boy uh boba fett he's got a story oh yeah he's uh narrated by john (laughs) ham well well, that sounds good yeah man i'm telling (laughs) you it's pretty gnarly uh but still like yeah it, it it's that whole scene that you see in um the special edition where they're waiting outside the millennium falcon i mean that's too bad but, but still yeah <laughs> he has to he has to make a you know he has to show up in some capacity yeah. but it's still cool yeah uh so yeah i recommend that but um to get back onto the monsters uh to go for a little bit of like legends mm-hmm. monster-esque uh i wanted to bring up uh one in particular it's the vornskers yes from uh the thrawn trilogy yeah and they're uh, they're a, they're a creepy bunch just because they hunt with the force, which or they actually hunt for force sensitive yeah. beings. That's yeah. the thing. So, yeah. I mean, if you want to jump in, I feel like I've been saying too much. <laughs> well, it's yeah, no, it's okay. Um, I feel like you you are like the resident like beast master here. Oh yeah, so, Maliki. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 happy to <laughs> to ste- take a step back, but yeah, I mean, I guess my two kind of comments on the Vornskiers are. Um, like the, well, one kind of the other creature that's also somewhat terrifying that's introduced along with them is the Yasalamari. Yasalamari, and, and the Yasalamari are actually they create force bubbles. Yes. So like if you know, so it, like within the Thrawn trilogy, like Luke finds himself in the presence of them, and he can no longer call on the force. Yeah, he tries. <laughs> like he tries to move something or pull something. Yeah. And nothing. Yeah, and like I. I don't remember if it's in that story or if it's in like even some of like the new Jedi order story, but like, you know, other Jedi are exposed to that and they like literally freak out. They're like, Oh my God, I've lost my connection to the force. Or, oh yeah. You know, or, or things of that nature. Um, you know, and then they, they step outside of like the 30 foot bubble or whatever. And then all is well. Well, that's the interesting thing about the Yoslamari or however you say it, regardless the, um, they, so each one has about like a it's like a three foot radius almost yeah and if there's a bunch within a tree they can almost cover the entire like city or something like like that it it has like a like a multiplying effect exactly just an addition effect as if more put onto the thing the more they you know could be more terrifying or something like that so like thrawn himself even uses the yuslomari uh to um his benefit whenever he's dealing with uh Jeruis Sabaoth mm-hmm. and like he actually takes them specifically because he knows he's going to get this dark Jedi and stations them all throughout the, uh, the, the bridge of mm-hmm. the, of the Chimera. Yeah. And th- it's brilliant in that sense. I have, I have an action figure that I was proud to get from a freaking <laughs> comic con uh-huh. of him with a freaking, with his, a around his neck. Yeah. yeah. I, I've I was seen like, that one. That is a cool piece. It's so cool. I was like, Oh, that makes so much sense now. So yeah, um, and then I, mean, I guess just my final note with that one, like we were, we talked about the Yuuzhan Vong earlier and how they could Vong form and basically, you know, create, you know, like create these kind of 
abominations. Basically. One of the ones that they do is combine a Yasalamari with a Vornsker. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and basically create, like, create them with the sole focus of hunting Jedi. Oh, that's because terrifying. Yeah, because the Vornskers are these extremely in, in, intense, you know, like canine you know hunters yeah and then and then you take away like force sensibility around the like the creature and that just makes it even more terrifying so yeah. like they could they could fight off the vornskers with the force in the books mm-hmm. but as you say if they put the whole force bubble thing with them there's no chance at all exactly that's yeah, terrifying and it made them like imp- like impervious to like force command even if they were outside of the range yeah um, so I mean, even in that vein, like the the Vornskers, for as scary as they are, they can be tamed. Yes. in some way, yeah. uh, Talon Card. Yeah, he yeah, had a he couple ha- of them. Yeah, he has like pet Vornskers. Yeah, which I mean, that's already terrifying in its own right. And I remember, like, even through the book, like they start acting strange around uh, Mara. I think once they leave my Merker uh-huh. or Marker, however you yeah. say the name. But, I, uh, always, I always, in my mind, pronounced it Mercure. But, Mercure? Yeah. Uh, I always just, I go off the audio Yeah, but you go by the audiobook. So you're probably right. <laughs> I don't I'm know. Sure somebody was like, yeah, no, say it this way. Uh, it's like I said, though, dude. Like, they, uh, I've heard them say, like, we were talking about Cypher Diaz, Sifo Dallas, all that yeah. crap, you know? So yeah. you never know which one you're going to get. Yeah. Well, I'm taking that directly from Attack of the Clones, though. Like, when I <laughs> like, corrected you on that one. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Master Cypher Diaz. Cypher Diaz. Yeah. Ugh, that's why I'm here. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, yeah. The only other monster I could bring up is one we brought up before. It's the Zillow Beast. Yes. Uh, you know, he's not the biggest uh, monster out there, but uh, I mean, in my opinion, he was he was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he, he's essentially a Godzilla-like, but not so much in resemblance, but just in the way of like he's almost indestructible. Yeah. You know, he's impervious to blaster bolts, explosions, and even freaking lightsaber strikes. Yes. So like, it, you know, how are you going to bring this thing down? Mm-hmm. To the point where you feel you realize that it's also sentient and yeah. you know it has some kind of you know residual feeling of just like oh this guy's evil this guy's not evil i'm going after the evil guy right Something exactly like that. that was always one um you know and i'm not saying that i think this is going to happen with like the like the clone wars episodes that they're going to make mm-hmm. but like that was one that they always teased that it was going to come back one way or another. The cortosis uh, hit the shell that he has. Yes. That's exactly right. Because at the end of the thing, it was just, the, you know, Palpatine essentially said, I want more Zillow uh-huh. Beasts because he wants to harvest their shell. Yes. Because he realizes that it's, it, it would make sense. Yes. You because know, of the Sith, because the Sith grand plan entirely relies on cortosis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is, it's crazy. Yeah. The cortosis works, man. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, it's another substance you don't hear that much about until right. you like pay attention to the small details here yeah. and there, but yeah, it does, it does show up. Well, it shows up everywhere outside of the movies. I mean, it's in, I mean, it's all, it, it's mentioned a few times in clone wars. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we see it in a number of different books. I feel like it pops up in Force Unleashed, for that matter, like game wise. Yeah, um, it sounds right. Actually, you think about like all the yeah, like there's like the heavy troopers or something like yeah. that. There, there's only so much cortosis in the in the galaxy, so only the elite of the elite can wear the super awesome armor or yes. something like that. But uh, I mean, other than that, you know, uh, 
you know, you want to talk about other big monsters. There's plenty of crazy monsters well, that just... Yeah, there's a Rancor. I mean, we kind of talked about the Rancor at the very start. Yeah. But we didn't actually mention them in our list. But no. I think everybody knows the Rancor. Definitely. It, essentially, just a giant bipedal, like, kind of lizard-ish yeah. thing. It, it's a pug. It's got yes, a pug it face. It has a pug face. <laughs> and it otherwise kind of looks like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Tyrannosaurus Rex mixed with, like... um. I don't know, ape-like qualities almost, yeah, yeah. especially with the hands, yeah, it's got and thumbs it and stuff of, like yeah, that. And it has very, like, slender lower body. Yeah, but, and, like, they, the crazy part about it is they can be tamed. Yes. Which, that's that's where I always bring up Malachi, yeah. uh, the Beastmaster from Jabba's Palace. Yeah, um, and we see that in the books on Dathomir. Yes. They, they, like, ride Rancors. Into battle and into stuff battle, like that. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're battle steeds. Same thing goes for, again, Force Unleashed. Yeah. Uh, the, the natives on Felucia, where mm-hmm. they tamed them. Mm-hmm. And there's even such a thing as, like, a bull Rancor, which is even more terrifying than your normal Rancor. It's double yeah. the size. Yeah. The, it's got spikes all over it, you know, and stuff like that. So it's scary, man. Yeah. But, uh, I wouldn't want to come across one. I'll say that much. Hell no. I mean, <laughs> Mr. Gamorian guard did not last long. No. <laughs> uh, I just remember that for, poor pig, like, pig just squealing, squealing, <laughs> just crunch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you go, yoy. So I hope that was spooky for everybody. Yes. I kind of felt spooky. I mean, I, I was a little startled. A little bit. You know, I feel like uh, after that I need a nice candle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just sit, sit there and burn a nice... Wookie smelling candle. <laughs> Either way, um, Tauntaun inside candle. Yeah, exactly. I I think uh, I think this is a pretty solid episode and everything. And again, I'd like to thank everybody for just you know tuning in uh, over the past few episodes that we've been doing. And I'm happy to see that we're getting you know more likes here and there, and yeah. uh, a lot of enthusiasm from the crowd and everything like that. Yes. So please hail new listeners. Hail new listeners. Please keep it up. Check us out on Facebook, Greedo Shot First Podcast. Um, you know, send us a message, you know, yeah. link us something. We'll, we'll watch anything you send. We'll bring it up. We have tons of topics coming up in the line. I know we want to bring up, we're most likely going to be doing the commentary soon on solo. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after that, you know, we, we have a whole laundry list of things we want to go through. You know, we've been talking about games. Yes. We can do with them about games. We could do, uh, you know, fan films. We can do, um, we were saying Sith versus Jedi. Mm-hmm. I mean, what the hell? We got everything in line. So please let us know what you think. You know, get at us. And uh, with that, I just have to say that I had a great time. Andrew, did you have a good time? I thought it was a boring conversation anyway. I bet you did. <laughs>